Welcome to the NHL 94 podcast, part of the CBP Media Network. This podcast is dedicated to the greatest game ever developed, where I will talk about the development of the game, tournaments and matches, our stories about NHL 94, the people that make up the NHL 94 community, the games won, lost, and the chirps that need to be heard around the world. So welcome to the NHL 94 podcast, you 16-bit hockey fans. I'm your host, Lenda Legend, and today we're going to be entering some uncharted territory because today I have with me a guest, and not just any guest, but NHL 94 royalty. I have with me Daryl. Daryl, buddy, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, how are you, buddy? Very good. I don't know if royalty is the right word, but thanks anyways. <laughs> well, considering you're standing in the NHL 94 community, you definitely are royalty, especially, you know, a little uh, old commoner such as myself. But yeah, it's, it's good to have you on here. And you're actually my first guest. So it's, this is breaking the ice and it's going to be awesome to talk to you about NHL 94 and everything along those lines. Daryl, I'd love to hear about your NHL 94 story because that, you know, everybody has a different story. And you know, it looks like we're of the same vintage. And so maybe I think we share some similarities in how we got in, into NHL 94. So I want to hear your thoughts and how you got into it. Yeah, probably. I mean, we, we I would say like hockey video games, it, it kind of started with the Nintendo era. So you had your Blades of Steel and your ice hockey. I was probably more favorable to ice hockey. Uh, but that's kind of when I first got heavy into, you know, ice hockey video games. Uh, and, you know, played those a ton uh, with my buddies and all that. But I would say really the biggest jump in hockey video games was that first NHL Sega game. It was called NHL Hockey. Most people call it NHL 92 because of the year uh, that it came out. But it was sort of light years ahead of anything that we'd ever seen before. And I know that um, at the time I had a Super Nintendo, so unfortunately we didn't have uh, the NHL version of it uh, for that season only it was only on Sega. So <laughs> I'll say this between my brothers and I, we probably spent more money renting Segas and that game when we could have just bought the Sega and the game and probably saved ourselves a few hundred bucks. But every weekend, you know, we were, we were spending the 20 bucks a weekend to rent the Sega and then another five bucks to rent the game. And I don't know how many times we did it, but uh, enough times that I'm sure we paid it two or three times over. And that was really what started the addiction to that series. So then when 93 came out, um, I had a Super Nintendo. And, you know, it's kind of funny when I look back at it now, the 93 version of Super Nintendo compared to Sega is, it is brutal. It is choppy. It is laggy. It is slow. Um, and so, but I mean, for us, it was like at the time, it was like it was a new thing. So you just played with it and all that. But I do remember thinking when I was playing with my friends, I was like, man, if we could ever get goalie control or one-timers or something like that, uh, I just knew that I would be – I felt like I could be a much better player. And that's when 94 came out, and that really had everything to it. So that was when I think it really took off. Um, probably my favorite story from the 94 uh, years was I had one tournament that I had in my basement on a Saturday. So we have one, <laughs> one Super Nintendo. We had this on a Saturday. There were 20 of us. This was in high school. 20 of us piled into my basement. We started at 8 a.m. and we didn't finish till midnight. 
So we, holy cow! <laughs> we did a we did a, a, a four. It was four groups of five. We did it. We drafted teams. We did a round <laughs> robin, uh, one game in each of the groups, and then and then of course you had to qualify for the playoffs and those kind of things. So. Yeah, we did that in one day. It was that was. I wish I had pictures of it or whatever because it was amazing. I still have. Uh, I think I might have still. I, I kept the. Uh, we used to have those Bristol boards, so you'd, you'd write everything on the Bristol board. We had like two big Bristol boards and marking all the scores and everything down. So I kept that for a while, and then I, I think I have pictures of it somewhere. But anyways, that was sort of my uh, opening to NHL '94, and like ever since hands down my favorite game. I don't know if it'll ever be beaten by any other game uh, to this day. And I still play it online to this day. So, yeah, you know, our stories are very similar. I too, when I, I played blades of steel and, and ice hockey and, and the NES, and let me hear your lineup for the ice hockey. I mean, you have the, the uh, bigger guy, the medium sized guy and the skinny guy. What, what's your lineup? Like what's your, uh, what's your goat lineup in that game? We called them fatties. <laughs> hey man, I, I want to be politically correct here. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were super Mario characters, so but we called them. I we went. I always went with three fatties and a skinny. That's what we. That's oh. what I did. So we had the the skinny guy to take the face off because that was always yeah. your best person to take the face off, and then I had the three bigger guys. Is that the best lineup? You know, I probably haven't played enough people to know whether. You know, that was good enough. I mean, playing against my buddies back then, uh, you know, I usually won most of the time, so I always felt it was a good lineup. But, you know, we're talking a handful of people, I guess, at that particular game. So, uh, yeah. So I don't know if it's effective today or not. And I always wondered, too, if it mattered which country you took or if it didn't matter at all. I always wondered about that. But anyways, what was your lineup? Well, to be, I, went with, <laughs> I, I wanted to have one – uh, medium-sized guy in there just for I don't know why I just prefer to have just one of the medium-sized guys in there and I wasn't very good in that game in fact we played it not too long ago a few years ago at my work at lunch and I got absolutely blown out of the water I was never good at that game and it's still to this day I'm not very good at it so I'm the wrong guy to talk to to figure out what's the best lineup because whatever I do I go the exact opposite I'm terrible coach terrible GM in that game and terrible player altogether um, but yeah you- NHL 92 I I share with you the exact same stories. I was blown away when I first saw it. I mean, and I had a Genesis at the time. I still remember the guy three doors down. Uh, it was Peter and Joe, and they showed it to me for the first time. Incredible, the the the, uh, the ice, the blue ice, and the, the characters, the numbers on the, the players, because this is something that was very unique at the time. If for people that are you know much more newer, like they're, they're much younger compared to us, to see this for the first time ever it was amazing to see and. I'll, I'll never forget the first game I played was Boston against Quebec. That was the first game I played. I, I, I don't think – could you remember the first game you played in NHL 92? Because I still remember to this day what is the first game I played. I don't know if I remember or not, but Quebec wasn't very good though, right? Like that were, they were, they were a terrible team. Uh, um, I, I feel like it must have been San Jose only because that was the first year that they were also in the NHL, that 90-91. You're right. But they were definitely in the game, and just the colors of that. I feel like that's probably the first team I we used because we saw that we thought it was awesome, just to be able to use the sharks. But um, uh, I remember that I remember that seeing the sharks on there. I thought was pretty cool. So I'm yeah, say it probably was them. And NHL '94. So you had your own king of '94s tournaments back in the day. It sounds like in in your basement that for that's a sixteen hour 
fest where you were playing NHL 94 to crown a, a winner of that. I never played the SNES version of NHL. I had the Genesis. My friend had the SNES version of it. And you're right. To me, it seemed choppy as well. The question I have for you, do they have like a multi-tap type system where you could plug four controllers or more and play that on NHL 94 for the SNES or was not not? They do. Yeah, you can actually play up to five players. And I'll say that the choppiness was only for that 93 version. Okay. 94, much, much better. Like 93 was actually a, it was a, a port of the Sega version over to Super Nintendo. And I thought maybe I'd read somewhere that they only had like a, a couple of months to, to, to be able to do it. So no wonder, no wonder it was, it was done so, so terribly. But uh, I mean, the 94 version, a completely different um, company that built it. So it was a different game engine. I mean, if you've seen it, uh, you know, yes, it's the same players, but really between that and Sega, it's, it's like two different games with the same title. Um, yeah. which I actually think is cool. I like both versions. I grew up on Super Nintendo version. I like both, but um, uh, definitely two different styles of play. But I did have the multi-tap. Uh, the, it's, it's basically four. It, one adapter that plugs into the second port, uh, so you can play four on that, plus the first player up to five. I mean, we never did ever did five. It, I think it really ever made sense to have three on one team and two on the other, but uh, there was a few times when we played played the two on two, which uh, which was fun. I, you know what? Um, nowadays there is a hacked ROM, which is kind of like NBA Jam style. Where there's only two players on the ice. That is way, way, way more fun. So if you ever have an opportunity, if you haven't already, to play that, you will you will enjoy it, regardless of which system you're playing on. Yeah, Daryl, we used to play that at lunch at my work, though when I my old work, and we used to play that. Uh, modded 2v2. I think King Raph was the person that created that. I could be wrong that created that wrong, that ROM. Oh, that particular um, one, possibly. There's there's a lots of different guys that have kind of trip contributed to different 2v2 ROMs over the years. So yeah, it's so much fun. Now NHL 95. Why does it suck so much? It's for me, I can't stand it. I want to hear your thoughts on why you think it sucks. Maybe you like it. I don't know. Uh it's so I'll just kind of go back to my first impression of it when it came out. And the biggest differences that I noticed playing now, I guess I'm going the super Nintendo version, which actually I played that versus the Sega version. I actually think the super Nintendo 95 version was better than the Sega version, but, but um, the one timers were worse. It was so easy to knock players off the puck. Whereas NHL 94, you can, you can usually defend it a little bit better. Uh, goalie control was all kind of all over the place. Um, the and I didn't like the animations of scoring on breakaways. It was very awkward. Where it was almost always better to use your backhand. If for some reason the player had this like extra long stick on a backhand to score, but so none of the things that you know you could do in '94 really worked that well in '95. And I think that was sort of the, the big letdown of it. I remember some other stuff too, like even the clock, uh, you know, the score clock at the bottom uh, is normal. But, but then when you get a penalty, the penalty goes above the score clock and then you kind of get confused because you if you're not paying attention, the score clock is actually below it now, farther down. Uh, they're just weird things like that that were in it. Um, I will say the color colors were, were much better. 
uh, in 95. I, I do remember that. And I think if maybe you're an you like playing the game individually, uh, there were some extra features that you would probably like, like the trade a player and, and, and season mode. But for gameplay, I just it's it just doesn't compare even remotely in my opinion. Um, NHL 94, everything that you want to do, you can do. The one timers are seamless. Uh, whereas in 95, they're, they're kind of all over the place. Um, just, yeah, I, you know, I, I kind of wish if they, if they had it just stuck with the game engine, we probably would be talking about NHL 95 right now, but they, they changed the game engine completely. Um, and I think it just kind of ruined the series. And after that, I was like, I, yeah, I went out and got 96 and 97, but I always kept getting, bringing back to 94. And then even when you move into like the the next step, which is 99, 2000, and you probably remember the the big jump in, in graphics and all that kind of thing. But I always kept going back and it's like, well, the manual goaltending is not there anymore. And that was what I thought was like, could win you, win you games alone if you were good with your manual goalie. But I don't think I've played a hockey game since where manual goaltending has been at that level. And to me, that is a very important part of it. Uh, if you're good with your manual goalie, you can win games, uh, you know, on your own, almost like in, a, in NHL when they talk about goalies getting hot in the playoffs and they steal a game. I feel like 94 is the same way where, you know, the newer games that moved on, it never, I never played a game that ever had that feel. And that's why I always keep coming back to it. Yeah. The, the, the magic of 94 is uh, only just in 94 and the engine, you're right. It would change at least in the Sega version. I never played the Super Nintendo. And in fact, you're talking about it. 95 being better in uh, Super Nintendo versus Genesis. That's interesting. I may want to check it out. Um, and the the manual goalie, it's uh, I'm terrible at playing manual goalie. I'm absolutely terrible. I'd like to hear, if you have to rank yourself 1 through 10 in terms of playing as a manual goalie, I want to hear how you would uh, score yourself. Well, at one time I would have said 10, but I've seen oh. guys online that play now, and comparison to them, I'm probably about a 5. Wow, so you really downgraded yourself. <laughs> there are some guys that I, I, I've tried to learn a lot from on how they just the exact timing of when to hit the save button, exactly where you need to be on the ice. It's just, it's almost like a game of chess, knowing exactly when you need to do the right move, which again, it's just one more reason why I love the game. Uh, and it's simplistic, but it's also, um, there's a lot more to it when, you, when you're playing player versus player that's what I, I mean playing against the computer is, is not really fun for me all that much because it's not challenging uh but when you're playing against somebody else that's where all the fun comes in and yeah that's an interesting question because like back in high school that was why i won games today i mean it's probably why i lose games <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so i'm gonna put you yeah, in the spot there's some really good players i'm gonna put you in the spot do you want to maybe name some of the people out there that may be excellent at playing goalie, because maybe there are people out there that want to eh, maybe study how they're doing it and uh, incorporate that, those styles in their own. The two that come to mind offhand uh, now, I mostly went because I play super Nintendo version. I, I play the Sega version as much, but um, uh, one guy named Bob Kadelsky, 26, incredible. And another guy this year who who I think kind of just stepped up his game completely, his name is Kids Wasted. And somebody else told me, he said, oh, yeah, just to let you know, his goal, manual goaltending is much better. And I thought to myself, okay, well, how much better could it be? 
And then I found out pretty quickly. <laughs> Every time when I thought I was in the right spot for a goal, there was no chance it was he was going to stop it. He did. So that uh, and he did that several times uh, to me. So uh, those two stand out. I mean, there's a lot other great players, but a lot of them, uh, they're just so good at scoring. Like, I mean, you know, maybe I get three or four of them, but they're going to get eight or nine on me. So, you know. So much better offensively. But those two players in my mind are the ones that kind of come up, stand out oh, for me. We'll, we'll fix your Swiss cheese goaltending situation in a little while. I'll, uh, in fact, maybe we should fire up NHL right now and we'll just go through the process to improve both our goaltending style. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> but the NHL 94 documentary, this is something that for me came out of nowhere. I, I didn't even know this was in the, the works. All of a sudden, it just showed up on my YouTube feed. It must have known what was my preferences, and boom, it showed up. I want to hear your thoughts about this NHL 94 documentary. This is by the folks from Noclip. I was going to say, because there's actually two of them. You're aware of the first one, right? The Pixelated Heroes? No. Oh, you need to watch that. It's on YouTube. So um, that, to me, is what we call the original. We we call that original documentary. It's about a 45-minute piece. Um, We can talk about that later if you want. But um, the one that came out recently by Noclip, they focus more on uh, sort of the technical aspect of the game itself. This other pixelated hero, heroes one is is more so why is the game popular? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this other one is a little bit to that, but more so, you know, how did it go through all the you know trials and tribulations of becoming a game? And and, and when you watch it you, from some of the developers and some of the challenges that they ran into, uh, the one thing that jumped out at me from it that was like a, an aha moment, something that it's funny. 30 years into the game, and I didn't even know this. Uh, Mark Lesser, he talks about a particular spot, if I can remember, where how he was trying to figure out how the attributes would work. And I believe he sort of associated with almost like table hockey, where, you know, you're moving your player. He only hit, he only has so much space around him to be able to touch the puck. So it's almost like he applied that to hockey as well. Uh, in terms of their attributes, which is kind of an eye opener. So somebody like, say, Mario Lemieux, who's one of the best players in the game, or is the best player in the game, depending on which system you're talking about, um, would have very high attributes. So his passing to another player, he could make a much, he could make an accurate pass much further away, whereas somebody who had their passing rating was much lower could only do it if the player was closer. That's kind of what I was getting taken from this. And I thought that was really interesting. And I was like, okay, that makes a lot of sense now of how things work. So the same thing with shot power and shot accuracy, the larger it is, it's almost like they have more space to make a, a perfect shot if they have a higher uh, attribute in that particular category. And so I never really thought about it that way before. I always just thought of it was like, oh, if he had you know, 99 sh- shot accuracy, no matter what, he was going to be picking the corners all the time, but it's not, it, I don't think that's really how it works. I mean, that's, a, that was the thing I took from it, which I thought was very, was very interesting. And it was nice too, that, you know, somebody who, who seemed to know nothing about hockey did the documentary. So it was nice to get their perspective when they're digging into it. Uh, you know, cause they would probably ask a lot more questions uh, that, you know, like some of the guy would, would ask, right. Because they want to know, the more understanding about how the game works. And uh, so that was, it, it was, it was interesting. I, I liked it. And I, and I, that part of it 
was really an eye opener for me. I thoroughly enjoyed that documentary. The one thing that, and it was you right, it's more of a technical side of things. It gives you a little bit uh, more about the building of the game and also the um, the evolution from Madden to the original NHL '92 or NHL uh, to where they got to NHL '94. Yeah. The one thing though that they talked about, and I wish they kept it in, or at least there was a copy of the ROM that when they had fighting in it, because they were talking about even pulling the sweaters over their heads and maybe even rolling on the ground and doing fighting. Like I that the fighting aspect in '92 was good. '93 was even better because you you could injure a player for the game, or I don't know if it was for a period. But I remember them just on the floor; they didn't move, and then you know they just skated to the penalty box injured. I wish they kept it in '94 because that would have been an awesome feature and added dynamic that could have had included in the game. But I blame the NHL for this. They're the ones that had this stripped out, and it's too bad we never got to see this. Never got to see the light of day. Yeah, you know, I I don't know if the code if they took the coding out completely, or if if he I don't know if he said that in the documentary, or if they had like an off switch where they just turned it off. I think they took it out completely. Uh, from the coding, but we always wondered if it was still in there and that maybe there was one thing where if you just flicked it on that that it would be part of the game. You know, it's unfortunate that it didn't have fighting. Um, I, I will say this about about fighting. Like, I, I ran a, an online 93 league, which you know has lots of fighting in it. There wasn't a ton of fights in it, but um, I don't know if um, – the fighting is like the most important aspect. It's kind of like a nice add-on, but the fact that it's not in NHL 94, I actually don't think takes away from it at all. Um, and so would it have been nice to be in there? Now, again, this was out here hearing the stuff about pulling the jersey over the heads and that that would have been really cool to see what that was actually like. So maybe I might have a much different opinion if I saw that and said, wow, you know, this this is pretty, pretty neat. But um uh, uh, just from a fighting perspective in general, um, I never thought it was like the best part of, of any hockey game that I've played. So that's fair. That's my opinion. So the way I look at it is maybe there are players that you're not going to play for sure in NHL 94 just because they don't have the skill set. But if they did have fighting and they were more uh, more inclined to drop the gloves, then maybe you'd throw them on the starting lineup and maybe that would be a way to entice one of the star players who also might be prone to drop the gloves and have them fight as well and take them out of the game as a result just it creates a little bit of a different chess match with uh, the inclusion of fighting but ah uh, you know what this is something we don't, we could only speculate now because it's long gone 30 years ago and here we are the pixelated heroes how would you compare it to the nhl 94 documentary would you say it would in your eyes was it better or worse uh, i want to hear your thoughts on the pixelated heroes uh, I like pixelated heroes more uh, and mostly just be, uh, probably for a couple of reasons. One, because it was the first one that really sort of an eye opener on everything. Um, it's not that I didn't like the other one. It was just more focused on the technical piece, which was kind of, kind of neat to learn about. But the one that, uh, his name is Mikey McBride. He, he, you know, produced the first one. Uh, he interviewed a lot of you know former high, former guys that were in the game, and he also had Mark Lesser, and he also had uh, Michael Brooks in there as well. So we kind of already had saw, I'd already saw some of that stuff already, and uh, and then obviously his main part of it was to find out who the best player in the world was, and that's actually where the King of '94 mm-hmm. came from. It was his documentary, so it's the culmination of him figuring out why the game is still popular so many years after it was released. And then he held this big tournament 
in Toronto at, uh, I believe it was called Real Sports a Bar, which is right downtown by the ACC. Uh, it was packed that day. We had, uh, it was well over 100 registrations on maybe 120 something, I think. And, um, and it was also the same day that uh, Matt Sundin uh, st- statue was unveiled. So extra mm. busy and around and everything like that. But we, um, and I helped organize that tournament. That was the first one. That was back in 2015. And uh, we played all day. And the one, we, we had a champion for Sega and we had a champion for Super Nintendo. And then they were supposed to play each other. But what happened was, uh, I guess the Toronto Raptors had rented that same part of the venue at nine o'clock. So we had to, we had to leave. So we had to pack up and go. And what was extra frustrating is that nobody even showed up. So, oh, that sucks. <laughs> so, so we ended up taking it uh, into a hotel uh, for the last two guys. I'm not going to say anything else because you haven't watched it. Otherwise it'll spoil a little bit of the fun. Thank you. Uh, but it is, uh, it's an exciting watch. I think you'll really enjoy it. Can you, you tell me one thing though? Yeah. How did they decide which system it's going to be? Because it seems like the Sega guy would be at a disadvantage playing on a Super Nintendo and the Super Nintendo guy would be disadvantaged playing on a Sega Genesis. Now you could do a home and home thing, but eventually there has to be a third deciding match. Can you disclose that one for me without this, giving up too much of the, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that doesn't, I mean, if that's not going to ruin anything at all. Okay. So, um, yeah, that our what we had set out from the beginning was we would play one game on one console, one game on the other console, and then whoever scored more goals got to play the final game on their console. Ah. But it was only one goal if it got to a third game. Gotcha. So, let's just say you and I played, and you were on Sega, and you beat me. I don't know, you know, five one, and then I played you, and uh, I beat you three two. You scored more goals, so we would play on the Sega console. Mm-hmm. And then whoever scored first was the ultimate champion. Aha, uh-huh. very cool. Yeah. Now, the King of 94. This it, was only time, it was the only time we did it. It was the first one. We haven't done it since. Uh, um, most guys say, yeah, we, we don't want to do that. So, so the champions, that's, that is. So that's that fair. fair. Yeah. You're crowning one from each console, and that's probably a good way to do it because then, you know, it's, it's hard to. to Morph over to the other one, uh, you know, if you're solely... They're different games. Yeah. It's the same title, different games. Yeah. So King of 94, is it a good time to bring this up now and start talking about it? Um, this is run annually, is it not? In, I guess you skipped it in 2020 or 2021 due to COVID uh, or... is it Well, yeah, okay. It depends on how you look at it because we did run some online ones. We skipped it in 2016. So we had it in the first one in 2015. Uh, it was... Michael was the coordinator of it then. He, Mikey McBride, he ran it then. Uh, and his, the hope was that he would have his documentary ready for 2016 to be able to, to screen it. Uh, but it wasn't ready in time. And so it got pushed off for one more year because he wanted to be able to screen it in Vegas. So we had a tournament in Vegas uh, in 2017. And that's, that was the second one. Uh, and then we've had it every year since. Now, like you're right, we didn't have a live one, obviously during COVID, because you know nothing was open, uh, and you know uh, not a good time to get in uh, live live tournaments together. So for 20 and 21, they they were held online. So we did have uh, online competitions for both, which was good because there are some people that uh, aren't able to make the live ones, and they were able to play in these ones, which was nice. Uh, and then we went back to it, uh, to the live ones again, and starting in 2022. 
So we've had a couple, a couple of since then. And talk about the rules, the entries, the prizes, because I'm guessing people that, that are not aware of it are listening or watching this, uh, maybe you could shed some light on those. Uh, so the prizes for, well, okay, let's start with the, the rules. Um, the rules, we, the, the format, uh, myself and another guy, we came up with where we had a round robin, uh, and it's kind of developed over time where depending on how many wins you have, you will qualify for the king of 94 bracket. But let's just say you finish in the middle of the pack. Then you get put into a mid-tier playoff, which we call the Duke of 94. And let's just say you maybe only win one game or no games. You get put into the bottom one, which we call the puke of 94. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, uh, so we've got three-tiered tournaments. And I, honestly, since it's developed into that, I actually really like it because – it doesn't really matter what your skill level it is. When you get to the playoffs, you're playing against guys that are your level. It's and and so any of the blowouts that may happen during the round robin, they're pretty much gone now. They don't happen near nearly as often in the playoffs because the, the guys are just more you know in line with the, the skill level players that they're playing against. And I think that um, a lot of people really like that. Actually, I haven't had anybody yet to say that that's that's a terrible format. Don't do it again. Um, so, which tells me that it's a good thing and people are really enjoying it. So, and, and I hope we're going to continue doing it because we recognize that there are people that are going to be really good at this game. And there are people that are going to, you know, haven't played maybe in a long time, but just want to play and maybe aren't as skilled. There has been players, there's been a couple of guys that have won it that haven't played online, came out of nowhere early on. So <laughs> walk on. So, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. So we always say, you know what, it could happen because, uh, you know, if you were awesome a long time ago and you practiced a bit uh, beforehand, then maybe maybe you've got a chance. So, so, um, so then when the when the round robin's done, it's it's a little bit uh, I would say perhaps unique because I don't think there's many formats in the playoffs that are like this for other tournaments, where the uh, what we call the winner side of a double elimination format, the winner side is a best of three all the way through. But if you lose your best of three series on the winner side, you drop down to the loser side, and then it's just one game. So one game and you're out. Mm -hmm. So um, guys like that because they feel like they're given a chance on the winner side, and if they lost two games and they dropped down, well, hey, they had they had a chance to get as far as they could, and now it's it's a one and done, and hey, good luck, you know, kind of thing, right? So um, so a lot of guys like that, and, and we like it too because we want the tournament to stay on time. That was a big thing for Toronto this year is we wanted to keep it within, I think it was seven hours. Sometimes they used to run nine, 10, 11 hours, and uh, we got it done in seven hours. And a lot of guys like that too. So, so we were really, really diligent this year on trying to keep things on time, and guys understood that, and they made sure they played their games. So um, that's the format in terms of picking teams. The visitor, whoever the visitor is, they call the matchup, and the home team picks their team from the matchup. So this was something that um, I had first heard about. It was in the Tecmo Bowl community, Tecmo Super Bowl community. They they love that game. Thought, yeah, awesome game, awesome game. And I thought to myself, what a great way to determine uh, who should be playing, because then, like, if you and I are playing and you're the visiting team, you're going to pick two teams that you're probably very familiar with but that are also not a huge skill gap between them. Like you wouldn't pick like, 
you know, people that are familiar with the game, Chicago is really good. You know, Florida is really, really bad. You would never call that matchup in a, in a tournament uh, unless you were you know, nuts or whatever. But, um, you would, you know, you pick two teams that are much more closer in skill because you don't want to give me a big advantage. So, so we like that. Uh, we like that rule. We think it's worked well. And again, uh, never had anybody suggest otherwise that they didn't like that. So, um, the only complaint I do get uh, from people that don't participate in the tournament is the settings. There are a few people that used to play with offsides on. There are people that used to play with line changes and oh. they would prefer to have those in there. And uh, I just, you know, too many settings as an option would be chaos. So we've found that for the most part, most people like five minutes they like it that there's no line changes because they put the best players out. They like it that there's no offsides because the offsides in this game is absolutely brutal. The AI is just not smart enough to stay on side. Sometimes you have to skate around, you know, for quite a few seconds for them to get back. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, and I mean, that was the unfortunate downside to offsides. So we just, we turned them off and then penalties. I've, I've done some some polls over this stuff, and penalties – actually, penalties are split. Half the people like them. Half the people don't like them. We turn them on because we think it adds an extra element to the game of understanding who you need to have out there shorthanded, who you want to make sure that's out there that maybe not be too aggressive to get too many penalties to, to hurt your team. And uh, so there's a little bit more to it. And then even when you're shorthanded, it's really not that bad. <laughs> There's a lot of guys that will score when they're down three on five. It's not like I yeah. realize hockey when you're down three on five that you you pretty much have no chance to score. There are a lot of guys that can dangle their way up the ice with, with Solani or Pavel Bure or whoever and still score on you. So adds an extra little bit to it, and I think that's a lot of fun. I wonder if the people that do, don't like the penalties are the ones that like to ram the light lighter goalies and just try to, to get a cheapy goal like that because when you do that, you get the goalie interference penalty and then you're in the box. So I'm wondering if those are the type of people. That's a perfectly legitimate strategy, by the way. I'm not trying to downplay it. It, it is. <laughs> it is. And, you know, it, it, if, you, if there was no penalties, that's what guys would be doing. They would be trying to ram the net, get a guy jammed in there so that somebody else has the puck and be able to shoot it in. And there's no penalties and, and all sorts of stuff, right? Like that you said, I think the Sega version is, is a bit easier to ram the goalie into the net. And actually, even though he's got it covered, it still goes in and it counts yep. as a goal. I don't think it's ever really happened in Super Nintendo that I can remember. But um, but anyways, yeah, it's you play it a completely different way. And it's the same thing with offsides too. I, I know that one guy told me, he's like, oh, yeah, I love playing with offsides. I was like, but why? And of course, I gave my side to it of why I didn't like it. He says, oh, yeah, but there's skill to it. You can you can check a guy so that he goes offside when he's coming into your zone. I'm like, so more whistles? <laughs> That's not thing, but to him, it's, it, it was, uh, it was a, a skill thing. Like if he knew that I was coming down with Solani, he would try and knock one of my other players offside to get the whistle. And I just thought to myself, I don't I don't think that's fun at all. <laughs> Great. I, I'm wondering now, which is more popular in the King of 94 tournament? Which is getting more interest? Is it the Sega side, the Super Nintendo side, or is it split down the middle? It's split. You know, actually, uh, since we've had it, I think this was might have been the first year where there were more Sega players than Super Nintendo players. Oh. But I also will, um, I will, I will add another aspect to that where 
what we've found over the years, and I don't have an explanation as to why, but more Canadian players like the Super Nintendo version and more American players percentage-wise like the Sega version. So ultimately, I do think that there probably is much more Sega players out there. But because for the mo- we only held it in Vegas once, for the most part, um, the tournament's typically held in Toronto and probably will be going forward unless there's a some reason why it shouldn't. Uh, I still think that it'll probably be pretty close, you know, year over year. Again, we why there are more Canadian players playing the Super Nintendo version, I have no idea. The only thing I can think of is that perhaps Sega was better marketed in the United States uh, and, and a lot more people were exposed to it. Uh, there may have been, I mean, there may have been a whole bunch of reasons for it, but... Um, yeah, it's been interesting that Super Nintendo has had, and it's not by much. It's usually just a couple of players and more here or there, but um, um, it's been very close. And uh, I, I think that if we, if, if we were to have it in the states annually, it probably would be a more lopsided in the same. That's just gotcha. That's a really interesting point of like a analysis of this because I, you know, I'm looking from a very narrow point of view for myself and for us growing up, it was Genesis with respect to the sports games. Um, Super Nintendo dominated our childhoods with other games, but for whatever reason, the sports games, Genesis seems to have, have our heart, which I don't know why. And I'm coming from the greater Toronto area that even adds to your, to your uh, figuring out where people are from with, uh, they like this concert or that one, but with respect to the, the King of 94 tournament, and even generally, like the the interest that that you're seeing on Discord, on the the forums, is the interest growing? Is it declining? Is it stagnant? Do you see more people coming it's, in? It, you know, it's growing, and I think it was kind of, I will say, stagnant, maybe even decreasing just prior to COVID. But um, me and a few other guys, we held a tournament which we uh, um, was called Sochel, which was. Uh, it was called the Sochel Distancing Tournament. So social distancing tournament during COVID. Obviously, the people say, well, where, does, where does the name come from? So it's just to play out the word, you know, Chell, the people call NHL video games, the newer games. So we called it Sochel Distancing Tournament, and it was an online tournament. And it was in support of the Mario Lemieux Foundation. Uh, that first tournament got a lot of press uh, hmm. from ESPN, and, and there was – uh, a lot of people uh, doing some uh, media that was covering it. And it was by far, and probably I will never, I don't know if I'll ever have the biggest tournament as that one again, but that one had 160 people from all over North America, Canada, US, Japan was represented. There was like, seven, it must have been a nightmare to administer. Seven or eight countries, and it was. <laughs> In hindsight, if I if I wish I, I thought about it more and we had more time, we probably could have planned it a little bit better. But we aimed to have it in one day because we thought <laughs> we, could, we could get more people that way. We did. I mean, it's not, it's not like we didn't put a lot of thought to it. We we did. We put a ton of time into how we would schedule, how it would work, you know, what would happen with no shows if that happened. Um, and so there was a lot of communication with the four of us, with all the players that day. But uh, we made it through it. I mean, it was it, it turned out to be much better uh, than I than I thought that it would be. Uh, and at the end of the day, uh, we crowned uh, some champions on, on each console for that, and they got a signed a signed I think they got a signed plaque 
from Mario Lemieux. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there were some other prizes. Um, it was it was a pretty pretty cool. Uh, since then, they give out signed pucks now. So I think we're going to have another one here um, in February. Uh, that haven't formally announced it yet, but just announced it on Discord. But we'll have one in February again. Uh, we we charge our our 1994 price to enter, <laughs> uh, and all that money just goes straight to uh, the Mary Lemieux Foundation. So people just actually make the donation straight to the Mary Lemieux Foundation. We play a tournament, and then uh, the winner will get assigned uh, on each console. will get a signed puck, and hoping to get some other prizes to, to give away as well, just for whoever joins. Do you know much about the Mario Lemieux Foundation? Because I don't, so I want to give them a plug to see what they're what they're trying to uh, solve, what what they're, they're helping out. Because maybe you have information about this, and I'd love to, to just share that information now, if possible. If yeah. Not, so, um, if if for those that weren't aware, when in Mario, when he was in his mid twenties, he was he uh, had uh, Hodgkin's disease, cancer, and was out of NHL for for a little while, anyways. Uh, so it. Um, he, he may have, I can't remember if one of his child maybe was sick as well, but, uh, it supports cancer research, uh, for youth and, and, and that sort of thing. So all the money, uh, goes towards, uh, cancer research, cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought to myself, like, what a great organization. It ties into the game perfectly because he's, you know, the highest rated player in the game. Uh, just everything about it was, was um, and they approached me, uh, you know, I, oh. I hadn't even thought of, uh, of like, I was kind of wanted to do a, a charity and I thought, you know, like, I know that, um, Gilmore's got one. I thought, well, that would be good, but oddly I've reached out to Gilmore's thing twice and I've never responded to them. Like, why? Anyways. Doggy, what are you doing? <laughs> I, know, I know it's like, you guys are a charity. I've emailed you twice to wanting to partner and see what we can do. And they've never responded. And I thought to myself, that's weird. But anyways, so, uh, yeah, Maryland Media Foundation, they reached out to me and they said, you know, a lot of our events got canceled because of COVID. We're trying to come up with some ways to to raise some money. Would you be willing to, to do a tournament? And I was just like, yeah, yeah, we are 100% in. And uh, so that's what kind of led to going back to your, your original, <laughs> going back to your original question of why things have grown. A lot of the players from that stuck around online which was really neat and and a lot of them have gone to in tournament uh, in person tournaments as well so it has been growing by a little bit uh you know each year and the one thing that i really like about the community itself is uh it, it's pretty non-toxic you know like everybody mm-hmm. there is like you know willing to help uh willing to help people learn how to play online like even if you you know don't really have any computer technical skills. There are guys in there. That's what they do for a living. And then they, you know, they're happy to chip in and, and, and help you walk through it. So it's like, it's amazing the kind of support that that community has. And that's why that's another reason why I just like to be in there. Uh, all the people in there are really cool people. And that's why I tell people when you come to a tournament, you know, come to it and enjoy it for the weekend. Cause it's going to be a lot of fun. You need a lot of people that are really nice people and it just makes it like a nice cool getaway sort of thing so yeah so that i just recently got into the discord and started playing online and you're right the people that are like in the community they're extremely helpful in fact 
there's two in particular. Blizzard One took a, a tremendous amount of time to help me set up my computer because I'm using Linux, so it's it's much more challenging in order to, to set up the online uh, portion of that. And Ticknest, I think, is the other person that also Ticknest. helped me. The very so those two, they I want to just give them credit for taking time out of their day and just helping me get my rig up and running. And so in terms of new resources, sorry, resources for new players, what would you recommend? the best way for people to onboard in case there's a new person wanting to, to join in when they go on a discord, which they go on the NHL94.com website. What would you suggest is the best way for new players to get involved and to start playing online? Uh, I'll get into that quickly. I just wanted to mention one thing about blizzard. I'm pretty sure he lives in Ireland, which I think is amazing that he's involved. Cause I mean, he was helping me. Ireland is not known for hockey or whatever, but, he obviously loves this game, and the fact that he's part of—I don't think he plays very much online—but the fact that he's he's there and he's willing to help people, I just think is even extra cool. That yeah. He lives in a, what you know you might consider a non-traditional hockey uh, country. So um, anyway, shout out to him. And there's yeah, yeah. there's lots of people. Thickness, uh, Dan TML, Seven Skills. There's a few guys on there that just love help helping people get set up. Techmo John's another one. So. Um, where to start? Well, <laughs> so that's a loaded question. I, well, so one, there is one place that Rath has, uh, a, King, a guy named King Rath, has a website called NHL94strategy.com, and that has some, it's, it's Sega-based. So if, you, if you're a Sega Genesis player, lots of tips in there about angles for shooting, one-timers, how to play defense, you know, assortment of things. And that's a good place to start. But Honestly, my, my straight-up opinion is if you want to learn to get better, hop online and just start playing. That's, that's it. And you'll find that uh, things that you remember that you were good at will start coming back to you. But you will also find that when you watch other, how other players play, you'll pick up new things. Mm-hmm. So it's kind, of, it's kind of – I always thought it was funny that, you know, that I thought I saw everything – of what somebody could do playing the game. And then I got online. It was just, it opened up a whole new world. I'm like, some of these guys are trying things that I've never even thought about trying, you know, or thought about doing or, or putting certain guys in the lineup. Like one guy, he puts Dixon Ward from, from Vancouver in its center. And then he just lights it up with them. And I'm like, Dixon Ward's like a fourth line player on that team. (laughs) So but he, I mean, he's a heavier player, so maybe that's part of it too. Maybe he's a bit harder to knock down. Uh, but just things like that that I've seen that different guys, the guys do differently. Um, I've I've learned a lot. Now, I probably don't play enough to get better at the game. I've been pretty. Um, I feel like uh, lots of people have leaked me over the years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I've been playing since two thousand six, and there were some guys that were maybe below my level that have long since surpassed or way, way since surpassed. Cause they're just, they just got so much better uh, playing it online and then playing better players all the time. So, uh, and I, you know what I, to me, that's fun though, playing guys that are better than me. Like when I play in these tournaments, I know I'm not going to win, uh, you know, win the whole thing, but it's nice to play the better players and mm-hmm. maybe you win one game and, and pull off an upset and those kinds of things. So, so for an, if you're a new player and you love playing the game, honestly, play online. You don't have to play in a league. Uh, you can play exhibition games. There are lots of guys that are happy to just 
play an exhibition game with anybody. I, I think the community is big enough now that pretty much if you go on any night, you're bound to find somebody that is willing to play against you. Because, uh, you, you know, I don't know how many people are in the Discord. There's over a thousand in the Discord, but I would say active at any given time, you know, anywhere from probably 20 to 50. So you're bound to find somebody that's willing to play. And then just start playing. Try your different teams, try different lineups, watch what other people do, and you'll just pick it up. I noticed even on Christmas night, there was chatter on the Discord. People were looking for games 2v2. Yeah. So, yeah, even on Christmas night, I mean, on the East, uh, Eastern Standard Time over here, people were looking to play NHL 94. That goes to show you that there's still it's still a vibrant community. People want to play. I just want to add one thing, too. I played both wireless and wired, so the Wi-Fi and the wired connection, it's night and day. If you play Wi-Fi for anybody that's wanting to get into this, you're going to have real problems with having a low ping, and you're going to have a lot of jumping around to the players and stuff like that. If you w- have a wired connection, so you get the Ethernet cable and plug it directly into the computer, it improves the gameplay significantly. So if you're looking to get in, that's the one thing I would suggest is get a hardwired connection. It makes life so much better with respect to playing this game. Probably a few other things as well, but well, that's for you to decide. No, I mean, and that's, Len, that's an important point of, of when, you know, I would say if anything, the biggest detractor is when you're playing somebody and then, uh, you get lag and things start jumping all over the place. And yeah. it's just like, ah, oh, this isn't fun. So um, I 100% agree with you. The better, you know, better internet that you can have, the wired connection, anything that you can do to make uh, the, you know, the stream much more, uh, the connection much more stable, uh, the better. And, you know, um, I'll say this, like I, I've been playing for a long time. Um, very, I barely, very rarely now do I run into people that have significant lag. Players in Europe, it's it's much more tougher to play against players in North America, um, uh, just distance. But but in North America itself, um, I would say probably you know well over you know well over ninety five percent you know between ninety five percent to one hundred percent is 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 perfect. So um, yeah. That, that would be the biggest thing. Just make sure you have you know good computer, good setup, good connection. So a lighthearted question before I, I do some rapid fire with you. The so Some of the songs in the game, they're very memorable. So for you, I'd like to pick your brain. What is the, the greatest in-game song, and why is it the Hartford, Hartford Wheeler's theme song? <laughs> so I only have one choice. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song, by the way. But <laughs> it, is, it is really good. I... Um, you know, I, I'm not even a Habs fan at all, but that song to me is so nostalgic with Montreal. And I think probably it has to do with the fact, like I'm a Vancouver Canucks fan. So, uh, but growing up, um, now I'm dating myself, but you know, when I, in my youth, there was only three, really three channels. There was no TSN or Sportsnet. Or, so every Saturday night, uh, you watch the Montreal Canadiens on TV. And when I was living out in Nova Scotia, that's what was on every Saturday night. With Dick so Irvin. I, uh, so Bob Cole, Dick Irvin, uh, was usually in the booth, and, and I think Harry Neal as well. Um, and that was before, I mean, then sometime in the mid-90s, it transferred over to Leafs every Saturday night, unless you lived yeah. in Quebec. But, but uh, so, I mean, and I heard that song so, that song so many times when they scored, it was just like, 
uh, you know, through the 80s and the 90s and whatever, that I just never forgot it. And so now when I hear it in the game, again, I don't, not a Habs fan, but I love that song. I get that the Hartford song, the you know, is is much more nostalgic. But for me, uh, I like the Habs. I like the Habs tune. And it plays for a while, you know, kind of goes on for a little while after they after you score in the game. Yeah. So so unless the guy's hitting pause, you, you wonder if he's getting a little irritated if you score. <laughs> and there, there are guys that, that will pause the game because they get irritated by the music. They don't want to listen to it. And you'll if you're ever playing and, and you score on somebody at home and you see a, a quick pause and unpause, that's what they're doing because they're stopping the music. So <laughs> that's funny. I didn't realize that's, that's little funny. little things. No, I mean there's a couple of guys that do it. So oh no, I can see that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, some rapid fire questions I have before we, we sign things off here. Sure. Favorite team to play? To use? Yeah. I probably Vancouver because I'm a Canucks fan. Favorite team to play against? Ooh. Uh, I like playing against the Sharks. I just, this, I like the Sharks unis. I don't know what it is in that game. The uniforms are cool. From 1992 all the way to 94, you're carrying that on. So, favorite person to play with if you have one? Oh, As gosh. a teammate. Uh, as a teammate? Um, I haven't really played much 2v2, so, uh, you know, that, I'll, I'll say I don't have an answer to that one. How about against? So it could be 2v2 or it could be 5v5. Who do I like playing same. against? Yeah. Oh, gosh. there's Pick anyone in the community. Everybody is so much fun to play. Uh, it's, and I, I'm not saying that to, to not uh, – like that's uh, generally how I feel. I love – there's so many cool people, and I play as, against as many as I can when I play in the leagues, and it's a lot of fun. So there is not one person that I enjoy over anybody else. Uh, they're all fun to play. 2v2 ROMs or 5 versus 5? Oh, 2v2. No, hands down. No question. SNES or Genesis? SNES. Ooh. Greatest person you ever see play NHL 94? What a great question. Probably Angry J93. Uh, he's won four, four world championships. And he is really good in the Super Nintendo version as well. He won four Sega championships, and he does really well in Super Nintendo. So uh, in my opinion right now, got to be got to be him. Patrick Waugh or Ed Belfour? Uh, I will say Waugh, and the only reason why I'll say that is because I just played in a classic league, and I had Montreal, and uh, – Wog got me nine shutouts in a in a forty game oh. season. <laughs> in a forty game season. So, uh, and it wasn't because of me that was manual goalie. He stood on his head. <laughs> and there was times where I like guys were getting mad. And they're like that friggin' Wog, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. There was times where I thought I was going to get scored on, and he just saved it. And so, uh, so uh, probably a biased example because I haven't used Chicago in a while, but. That's who I'm picking. Is Phil Housley any good? Yes. I, he, I, okay. Because yeah, I see everything. I see. He, um, well, like I use the Super Nintendo version, and uh, he's great off uh, coming in off the off the D, off the rush. Like a lot of times you can surprise people uh, with bringing him from the back end up uh, and, you know, 
high, high, highly rated players. So now the second version, maybe that's different. Uh, some guys might have some opinions on them, and then I can't really comment on that. But certainly for the Super Nintendo, I would never take them out. Which team is better, the Sens or the Ducks? Sens. Yeah, Ducks. JR? Ducks are brutal. Is JR the best player in a game or is somebody else? Um, I don't think he's the best player in either game. Uh, I would take I would take McGilney over him in Sega. It just seems like whenever I play against somebody using Buffalo, it's like if you don't shut down McGilney, you might as well just stop playing. Because like he scores <laughs> all the goals, and uh, and in Super Nintendo, it's Mario. Uh, he's um, and this, and you know, I probably I don't know if you're familiar with the weight bug. Yes, I'm the, very familiar with that in Genesis. Okay, so you're familiar with it. So the lighter players are are better players because they're harder to knock down because of that weight bug. Whereas in Super Nintendo, there is no weight bug. So a guy like Mario, who's bigger, who's heavier, and he's got tons of skill. Uh, very hard to hop, knock down. Actually, I'll tell you one quick story about that. It was in the King of 94 tournament uh, in Toronto, and I was playing in the uh, I was playing in the puke final. <laughs> it was in the lowest bracket. Playing in the puke bracket, and the guy that I was playing against had Pittsburgh, and there was one time, there's a clip that's on, stream online. You can watch it. There's a clip where I think I must have hit him like four or five times and did not knock him down. And he scored, and then I'm just shaking my head, thinking like, "What was I? What else could I have done?" He's Super Mario. <laughs> On that particular play, he just dominated, and so, uh, you know, when they say he's the best, I think that's just one more reason why. You know, I'll just go on a, a tangent here. Today is actually a anniversary for Lemieux. He came back to play after retirement. And he, today was uh, so December twenty seventh that we're recording this. He mm-hmm. came back to play the Maple Leafs. So it was the Penguins against the Leafs, and he had one goal and I think two or three assists. Did he score the combat. first goal? He may game? have scored. I, I remember the watching game? that. Uh, he may, have, and I'm a Leafs fan, but I was cheering for Lemieux's comeback at that time. Yeah. And so he may have scored the first. I just remember he did score a goal, and Kujo was in that. I remember that specifically. But yeah, today's the anniversary date where he came back. So the just. Highlighting it's a it's a Super Mario Day all all around. I remember that game. I think that was probably one of the most anticipated games to watch was his yeah. comeback that comeback game and the fact that he, like you said, got three three points. Was it goal and two assists? He either got three three points or four points. It was That's, one goal and two assists or one. It goal sounds and three right assists. that he yeah he got at least three. I think which is you think about it that he was off for such a long time and then came back like nothing, like nothing happened, and you know what. Um, while you're on that topic of comebacks for Mario, he did the same thing in 92-93, which is the game that 94 is based off. It's the 92-93 season. I don't know if you remember or not, but that that, that was the year that he got uh, his ailment. He was he was on pace to break Gretzky's record uh, of 215 points. I think he was on pace to get 218 before he went out. When he came back, he was something like 14 behind, 14 points behind Lafontaine and then finished 20 points ahead of him. Like, absolutely, to me, that may be the best season. I mean, we, you can talk about Gretzky's 92 goals and 215 points, but if you look at the points per game and what Mario did, if he had played the whole season, he would have broke the record. So I still think that could be the, considered the best season any player has ever done. But 
So, anyways, you were just talking about comebacks and made me think. Of yeah, that. I don't know. I guess one last question. It's not a rapid fire question. If you could make one change to NHL ninety four, what would it be? Ooh. And if it's the perfect game, you make no change whatsoever. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, people say always oh, adding fighting. I, I guess that would be the most logical choice. I just don't. Um, I, I don't know. It, it really depends. If it was, you know, if I was playing the game and I was just playing by myself, like I think I'd probably want the season mode and the trade a player. I I thought thought that was kind of and create a player. I thought that stuff was kind of neat uh, to be able to do that. Um, but it, uh, fighting would be a very close second. Awesome. Now, so with that, I want to thank you very much for coming on and just want to pass it over to you. Any final thoughts, any last words before we sign off? Uh, no, I would just say like, if you're watching this for the first time, um, we have an on, like I said, we have an online tournament we do for charity. I encourage you to, to sign up for that. The next one's going to be in February. Uh, the middle of February, it's on a weekend, so it's just one day, play a few games that day. And if you have the opportunity to go to a live tournament, do it. Uh, the King of 94, the next one that we have is September next year in Toronto, uh, September 28th. We already have the date locked down, uh, 28th and 29th. Sega's on the Saturday, Super Nintendo's on the Sunday. And I would say, like, if you love the game, come out and play it, even if you've never played it or haven't played it in a long, long time. You'll have a lot of fun, and um, and I do. I I enjoyed it as well. So that would be my, my kind of my final words. If you if you if you haven't experienced something like that, and you love the game, you'll be just taken back to those those sort of basement bedroom days, playing against your buddies, your friends, your brothers, or whoever, uh, and you get that same kind of experience. Well, Daryl, want to thank you so much for coming on out. Uh, NHL94.com. You can check them out there. Also on Twitter. You're also NHL94.com, I believe, on Twitter. D-O-T, yeah, D-O-T-com, yeah. And then we have a Facebook page. Uh, sorry, Facebook group. You just type in NHL94. Uh, there's that. And then there's an Instagram as well, which is the same handle as the Twitter X or whatever you want to call it, NHL94, D-O-T-C-O-M. Uh, and there is um, another guy runs one of the TikTok. I, I just can't remember what it what it is offhand. But I will say if you're on Twitter – and you go into the um, profile of the Twitter. There's a, I have what's called a link tree. If you're not familiar with what a link tree is, you just click on it and it has all of these links to the website, how to get started, links to all the other social media platforms for NHL any forums. So, uh, which is sort of a combination of all of us that look after all of these uh, sites. So it's, it's kind of a really easy way to, to find everything in one spot. Yeah. And I want to thank you for following me on, on Twitter. You're one of the few followers I have that follow me on Twitter. So I want to oh, thank you're, you. <laughs> you're just getting started here with this podcast. So before you know it, it'll, it'll be growing immensely. So I'll have 10 followers. It would be fantastic. So, hey, yeah. I, you know what? I started this Twitter account seven years ago. And I and it's, um, it, it's really just like everything I share is what people – like I, a lot of the content – some of the content's mine, but – uh, a lot of like a lot of the videos is, is stuff that guys post, and then I make sure that they you know get credit when we post it, and people love it. People love seeing that kind of stuff. So, uh, and I just try to be consistent with it. So I, I would say the same thing. Like you're doing these podcasts, uh, depending on how often you're doing them, you know, you stream one every once in a little while. 
you'll you get more people following. It, it's just yeah. inevitable. So, so yeah. yeah. So well, I, I'm of- looking. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of them. I'm glad I get to be your first one. So thank you for that. <laughs> I have actually another interview scheduled. Um, I mean, he agreed to come on. I don't want to say who it is, but uh, it's a name that you're familiar with. So yeah, there's there's, there's already people wanting to come on. I'm surprised and I'm thankful too at that. <laughs> and also want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come and talk to me today. It was just, I'm very appreciative. Oh, of this that. is fun. I appreciate it. It was awesome. Yeah. It was a fun time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. And with that, remember to keep your stick on the ice and your controller plugged in. Take care.